don't say the words because then it's going to be stuck in my head. I'm going to have some horrible mashup of the Star Wars bad lip reading and Baby Shark in my head for the rest of my life. Welcome to Midlight Crisis, a real podcast hosted by three grown adults revisiting books from our teens. I am Sophie and I uh, forgot to pull up my young adult title name. My young adult novel this week is A Mockery of Sound and Sawdust, <laughs> which is just like woodshop, I guess. <laughs> just carpentry. In my high school, the uh, woodshop was right next to the band room. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's what this book would be about. Yeah. <laughs> the romance that ensues. <laughs> I'm Sam, and my young adult book title of today is A Performance of History and Sloths. I Aww. love sloths. It would be a very, like, slow performance. It would. I would sit through the whole thing. The whole thing. Even if it just crawled across the stage. <laughs> Okay, but consider, instead of just crawling across the stage, we put the sloth in a wig and have it, like, recite Shakespeare or perform in Hamilton. (laughs) That would be pretty good. I mean, I'd watch it. Me too. And I'm Hannah, and my young adult book for the week is A Circus of Necromancy and Seagulls. (laughs) Which seems like something seagulls would be interested in, frankly. (laughs) I mean, I tried to befriend one this weekend and it didn't like it, so... No. <laughs> no. What was your technique? I was calling it a dinosaur. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, flattery will get you a lot of places, so... Right? I thought I was being very nice to it and I wouldn't give it my fries, but I was saying how, yeah, you're just a little dinosaur and look how tough you are, but you're not getting my fries. Man, you might have had more luck with the fries, honestly, but... I know. <laughs> who can say? Certainly not me. Yeah, well, so we... This is the inaugural Midnight Sun release podcast. Uh, hey, <laughs> It's happened. 15 years later. <laughs> we've got the other side of everything. We've all read the first chapter, and so we're going to start by just kind of comparing the first two chapters and maybe we can get a summary for those of you who don't remember what happened 15 years ago (laughs) all right should i take it away with twilight yeah Mm -hmm. okay so let's re-enter the world of twilight so in short speed round our first chapter is called first sight bella moves to forks gets her truck goes to high school Meets Jessica, Mike, and all those people. Meets the Cullens. Edward doesn't seem to like her very much. And uh, (laughs) that's about it, I think. (laughs) Uh, The drama of the biology class, though. Oh, man. I mean, do we want to go into, like, the mad drama of just Bella in general? (laughs) Which... Please, let's do that. (laughs) Yeah. That's true. We'll do that. We'll do that after we hear what the Midnight Sun chapter is like or yeah. how it differs, I guess. <laughs> yes. Oh, you want drama? Edward is here with the drama. <laughs> <laughs> the first lines in his book. Oh my god. <laughs> high school. Or was purgatory the right word? Like, <laughs> yes, I am so here for that. Needlessly dramatic and also summarizes the high school experience fairly well, I would say. 
<laughs> yep. Yep. God, that line is so good. So I, op- good. I opened the book and was like, hell yes, I'm here for this. Oh man, I was instantly pumped. Like this is yeah. the Twilight content that I signed up for. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Give me Edward's overly dramatic. Oh, what's the word for someone who's a hundred years old? Uh, Oh my god. Centenarian. 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 So yeah, I am definitely here for Edward's centenarian teenage dramatics. (laughs) I also think it's interesting, though, that we're getting over 100-year-old vampire dramatics and a 16-year-old girl dramatics. And they're both very dramatic, but in very different ways. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. <laughs> like on par. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. I mean, if I was a hundred year old vampire who has already gotten two medical degrees and was in like his fourth round of high school, oh I would also be the same. <laughs> I It does make me sad because that means that like if ever I reach a hundred, I was sort of hoping the drama would like peel off a little bit, <laughs> but it looks like it just keeps getting worse (laughs) dang um anyway edward is in high school for i don't know probably the 50th time um (laughs) which is very unfortunate and requires some suspension of disbelief as to why they would choose to subject themselves to that so many times (laughs) but his chapter mostly focuses on the meeting in the cafeteria and then the somewhat more homicidal meeting in the biology class (laughs) And yeah. it's just like half a chapter of Edward being kind of stuck up and condescending and half a chapter of Edward being an absolute murdering lunatic. <laughs> That's actually like the best summary. Yeah. Yeah. Just like murder. There's just a lot of thoughts of murder. Yeah. That's like half of that chapter. Yeah. I have to say I was weirdly touched by how much of Edward's self-control comes from his admiration for his, like, father figure. Yeah. Like, that... I I don't know if I'm, like, particularly sensitive these days, but that just really got me. Yeah. I've been watching a lot of Star Wars, and the, like, Master Padawan relationship is, like, really, (laughs) really getting me right now, and I think I was seeing something similar in there, and it just, like, got me right in the heart. But yeah, Edward spends an awful lot of time planning how he is going to suck Bella down like a smoothie. (laughs) (laughs) I hate it. If we're just going to dive in and start talking about them, it's, I almost appreciate that, like, this first chapter of him being like, oh my god, Bella. I must eat all of her blood is like entirely like without sexualizing it at all. Yes. Because like True. getting it, getting it from the other side, it always seemed kind of like there's the whole thing where any vampire thing is always sexualized with them feeding. And like, no matter how it ends up later, which will probably get <laughs> pretty horny. Um, probably. I was like, this felt like very, trying to make it how a predator would think and not any other way right yeah it was definitely skewing like far towards the horror side and away from the right side which yeah is cool i like it 
yeah, I'm more on board with it than I thought I would be. I don't know what I was expecting, but it wasn't necessarily this. No. (laughs) Did either of you, I guess maybe some preface to this question, part of the reason why Midnight Sun has taken so long to come out is that it was leaked in 2008, the first, I don't know, it was 13 chapters or so um, online. And obviously that's very upsetting to a creative person to like have your work kind of taken out of your hands before you're ready to put it out. Yeah. I, with even like at the time, not a small degree of guilt, did read the leaked draft. Did either of you read that when it came out? Yes. I did not, so. (laughs) I most definitely read it immediately. I read it when, because she ended up putting it on her website saying that like if it's out there anyway she wants to have some control over it i believe yeah she did Meyer did this so i read it when she put it out but it was interesting i only read that once and i felt bad about it but like there was stuff in it that i did not remember until i was reading this first chapter this last week and remembering like oh yeah i'd forgotten that there was so much emphasis at the beginning put on like jasper and his issues with controlling his bloodlust but I like that. Jasper is Loki, one of my favorite characters, so I was happy that he was in it. Jasper and Alice are the best characters in the series. And yeah. uh, we should definitely have their book instead of <laughs> a third version of Twilight. Not that I'm like necessarily complaining about a third version of Twilight, but like the Alice and Jasper prequel, I would be all over that in a second. Oh, same. Yeah, I uh I don't know. I think I have the furthest degree of separation from Twilight uh, of everyone in this call. But it is interesting how much like of the book I'm finding is actually still in my head. And as I'm reading, I'm like, oh, yeah, this thing and like slowly coming back to me. So (laughs) even Midnight Sun, I'm like, "Mm, yes, this thing that I remember, even though I didn't read the first draft of Midnight Sun. It's just reminding me of the later books. Can we address the fact that this book was at least partially drafted by 2008, which was, what, 12 years ago? And there is a typo in the first chapter. (laughs) I almost screamed when I saw this typo. Do we all have the same typo? Do you guys have that as well in your copy? I didn't find it. What page is it on? It's on page 18. Edward says, Alice must be concentrating very hard on Jasper. And (laughs) they use the wrong very. And as a highly pedantic person, I tend to notice these kinds of things. Oh my god. (laughs) Yep. So like, not to drag this too much, but like, y'all, you had over a decade to do some copy editing. (laughs) (laughs) Not what that word means. I mean, I guess it's on par because there's at least four typos I found in the first chapter of Twilight, so... <laughs> oh, I didn't see those, but I, I have a like later edition physical copy of Twilight, perhaps. I, I find, personally, have tended to find more typos in ebooks than in physical books. Oh, really? I have, yes. Oh, I wonder if it's because of like the how they scan them in. I assume they yeah. scan them in, not physically typing them all out. Oh, I thought they were, like, transcribed weirdly. Oh, maybe. Who knows? I don't know anything about how ebooks are made. No, ebooks are my least favorite form of reading. 
uh, so I don't read very many of them. Yeah, <laughs> I was like, I don't hate ebooks, and I was like, well, when you put it as your least favorite way of reading, yeah, I guess that's fair. Yeah, compared to physical books and audiobooks, yeah, they rank in that order for me. That's a great point. What do you guys think about like while we're talking about the differences between the original and then this one? I know Sam, you especially thought the writing was like really great in Midnight yeah. Sun. No, I was like, yeah, pleasantly surprised. I don't know. Like, I didn't think I was reading a Twilight book when I was reading it. And uh, yeah, kudos to Stephanie Meyer, despite the typo. (laughs) Um, I don't know. I just felt it flowed a lot better. I did think Edward's murder rampage he kept envisioning went on a little bit too long. And it kind of goes to the point that we brought up in the first or in our prologue episode where we said like, oh, she's really good at disposition, getting things done fast. So like oh, yeah. in Bella's chapter, we saw like a lot happen. And in Midnight Sun, it was like two major events because literally it was like, what, six pages of him, which like it was well written, but it was like just a lot of his inner monologue about how he was going to murder 18 people and then not. And like, yeah, yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I wonder, I guess this is, probably what's happening but if she's trying to keep chapter to chapter the same timeline then she'd have to buff up edward's side on this first chapter since yeah bella moved from phoenix and started school and he just is sitting in the cafeteria for the (laughs) whole chapter so the interesting thing with that is none of us have read ahead in Midnight Sun yet. I probably will at some point, I'm not gonna lie, but so far we've only read the first chapter. I did take a look at the table of contents, and Midnight Sun has five more chapters than Twilight does, and also is, like, twice as long. Like, literally twice as much. So I don't... I don't know if Edward is just, like, an exceptionally verbose thinker or (laughs) what's gonna be going on in there, but it'll be interesting to see where... I assume the timelines are going to have to diverge at some point and what those deviances might be. Yeah. Well, I noticed that the first chapter and second chapter both have the same title, okay. like chapter title. So I wonder, I could just look, but where's the fun in that? Just speculate on the internet. Yeah. For our... yeah all the books in front of us. <laughs> Gosh, I wonder what's in these books. As they sit in front of us. <laughs> um. Okay. I just want to, express for one second i have like my brand new like glossy hardcover copy of midnight sun next to the second hand movie cover paperback <laughs> i bought of twilight for six dollars on the internet and like <laughs> i feel like that might be emblematic of how i'm going to feel about the two books but we'll see the discrepancy between the two is very funny to me just highly polished brand new super exciting it looks like they diverge after chapter 12 there we go. Oh. And then there's some chapters that are the same, but there's like a knot of them in there that's different or it comes together and diverges again. Well, I guess we'll find out one chapter at a time. One chapter. Are we not going to get to have read the entirety of Midnight Sun for like a year? <laughs> An entire year? I mean, <laughs> if you donate to our Patreon, we'll... <laughs> You don't have a Patreon. If you don't, if you just mail me some money, we'll, we'll go up to once a week, and then we can finish this book by the end of the year. Yeah, I mean, if someone will pay me to edit audio, uh, we can certainly do it. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, so I think that's uh, all we're going to talk about Twilight for today. Uh, We'll do the next chapter next week or two weeks whenever we do this podcast. But actually, pretty interestingly, today, as we're recording this, Goodreads released an article, the 100 most popular young adult books on Goodreads. So that link will be on various social medias if you also want to check it out. But we're going to talk a little bit about what populates this list. I actually haven't read several of the top books, but perhaps someone who has would like to talk a little bit more about them. I mean, that was completely 100% directed at me. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, out of these top 10, I've read four, five, six. I've read seven out of the top 10, I think. Wow. Yeah, I guess maybe to just be clear, let's do the top five. So the top five to just list them, if you're listening to this, is Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone, The Hunger Games, The Fault in Our Stars, Divergent, and The Book Thief. Those are the top five books on this list, which, you know, from what I know, yes. Yeah. <laughs> I'm actually surprised Divergent is as high as it is. Like, I knew it was a big deal. I actually only read the first book in that series because that's when Dystopian started getting, like, super saturated. And yeah. I honestly yeah. just didn't really like Triss as a main character. I'm surprised to see it here, and I'm surprised that Twilight isn't here yeah twilight doesn't show up on this list at all which is very interesting yeah i literally read all of these books after reading twilight except harry potter and the giver actually they made me read that in school (laughs) (laughs) yeah (laughs) but which apparently is a series too did you know that i didn't know that was a series i read the whole series i preferred the giver um the other ones i don't remember too much of them except i remember they made me feel like sick to my stomach in a way that the giver didn't quite like they were really upsetting to me as a young teen that's what i've heard yikes yeah i would probably like them now because now i'm a jaded depressed millennial who likes (laughs) to hurt me uh... (laughs) yeah i feel like the thing with twilight is it was so polarizing like at the time and after it's super understandable that it wouldn't end up on this list because the number of people who would say oh yes number one twilight would the equal number would say i had a lot of issues with it not on this list (laughs) so fair enough i feel like it is much better than some of the books on this list that i have read certainly not as good as many of them but i personally would swap out divergent for twilight but i have huge issues with the divergent series (laughs) (laughs) yeah i do too yeah. yeah, yeah. I haven't I haven't read a lot of books on this list, but I did want to just shout out. I haven't read it, Hannah. I know you have, but The Outsiders. Oh um, my god! It's yeah. one of my favorite books of all time. It's number twelve on this list. So when I was looking up a little bit of stuff, because I think last week I said something along the lines of, "And young adult fiction was invented with Twilight," yeah. uh, which is patently <laughs> yeah. untrue. But The Outsiders is like a officially the first young adult novel i think yeah from the 1960s it's like the one everyone talks about when they talk about the first young adult novels and the fact that it is number 12 on this list from the 60s yeah that's pretty cool i really should just read it i guess (laughs) they made me read it in school you didn't have to read it in school no it's one of those books that like well not one of those books the first book i think i read that literally like changed the way 
I view the world, like change the way I see people, change the way I consume media. Like it was absolutely formative for me. I like I, I it was the one thing I asked for for Christmas the first year I read it because I read it in wow. school and wanted my own copy. Like read it again that day, read it every week for months, then had to take a break from it because I had read it so many times I had it memorized. So <laughs> I call it like it's in my top three books. Um, it was number one for a while. It's been kind of edged out by Watership Down and uh, The Lies of Locke Lamora as I've gotten older, but like still in that top three for me. It's one yeah. of my favorite books. It's so interesting to me because I feel that way about like a couple books on this list as I like scroll through it. Like Madeleine L- Langle, I'm not actually sure how you say her name, but A Wrinkle in Time. Like I'm the only one here who speaks French. <laughs> Uh, yeah, listen. Longla, <laughs> um, I guess. Madeline Longla. Anyway, I feel pretty strongly about that book. And it's like, I don't know, I haven't read a lot of these books, but it's interesting to think that, you know, teens today or people younger than me might feel the same way about some of these books that I've kind of brushed off as being like, oh, new young adult that I'm not as big a fan <laughs> of. But mm-hmm. there's a really good spread on this list. So if you're looking for young adult, novels to check out I, this seems like a very good one <laughs> yeah the link is on our twitter from a week ago today when this episode comes out but i'll be sure to reshare that so it's current after this comes out <laughs> and just in case anybody who isn't our moms is listening to this part <laughs> my mom is our biggest fan i'm sorry hi mom <laughs> our moms will duke it out for being our top fan <laughs> yeah thanks mom thanks for listening <laughs> one thing we wanted to talk about I think with this list is how the top couple books and even like just the first three kind of encompass what we have experienced to be kind of the eras of young adult fiction in our lifetime right with Harry yeah. Potter the Hunger Games and then the Fault in Our Stars yeah like in that order too yeah just slot Twilight in between Harry Potter and the Hunger Games and that's that's basically it yeah, yeah, you have your uh, your magic, and then your dystopian, and then your real people falling in love. <laughs> yep. I assume, I actually haven't read The Fault in Our Stars, but I assume. It was cute. Yeah. I, liked it. I read it in, like, the peak of Tumblr, so Tumblr was really into it, and I think I was slightly outside of the age range where regular teenagers falling in love was super appealing to me. <laughs> but, like, it's a cute story. One of them has to be a vampire or uh, <laughs> werewolf or I'm something. actually not into like romantic subplots in my fiction, which is right. one of the main ways where Sam and I separate <laughs> a lot. Where you where you diverge into <laughs> Okay, I do have one thing to say about divergent. And I'm not gonna get like too far into it, but <laughs> I disliked it to the point where I didn't read any other YA books for three years because it ruined the entire genre for me. And Whoa! Then, yeah, like, I hated it. I hated everything about it. Then I read The Serpent King by Jeff Zentner, which is just, like, regular teens falling in love, but was good enough that it brought me back to the genre. About 2018. Wow. So, yeah. Shout out to him and not to Divergent. <laughs> I just want to listen uh-huh. I just want to shout out one book on this list because it's making me emotional <laughs> that it's on here. Did you guys ever read Maximum Ride? Yes! yes. 
man oh my god it was so good so good yeah it's number 46 on this list and i like i was obsessed with those books yeah oh man was i obsessed with those books yeah if you want to talk about books that like changed my life it was probably maximum ride to no one's surprise no people with wings (laughs) sophie birds (laughs) sophie likes sophie is made of birds and jellyfish this is a good summary of my character. <laughs> <laughs> I know you so well. Gosh. Anyway, that's, yeah, I didn't have anything, like, to say about it. I just wanted to say Maximum Ride is a great book. It is Read it. Book. <laughs> the problem is, so there's, like, another Goodreads article from 2015 mm-hmm. on the top 100 YA books. And it's, it also had, there are a significant difference, obviously. A lot of books have come out in five years that people have been obsessed with but i'm just there are also good books on that list so if you need another list to look at (laughs) it's also a good one there's also the 48 most highly anticipated ya novels for the rest of 2020 yeah i have quite a few on this list that i'm excited for there is a star daughter there's a few i don't know oh my god i have to buy so many of these books again (laughs) yeah Sam, was there anything from this list that like particularly spoke to you since both Sophie and I had a life-changing book? I think I have a guess. I have one guess. <laughs> no, it's funny. The book that changed me the most, I actually read when I was 25 because I was going through a really bad period of my life and I read it just around that time and it's the Throne of Glass series. I knew it! <laughs> yeah. No, it's funny. So, like, as a teenager, I would definitely say the Mortal Instruments series, which is number seven, and the Hunger Games were, like, those are, those are still two of my favorite series. Like, I still read every book that Cassandra Clare puts out. But, yeah, I read Throne of Glass when I was, I think I was 25, because I had just moved back to Ontario. And I read Air of Fire during, like, I was in a really bad place like anxiety depression all of it and I that book I honestly can't say enough that it saved me and I know as cliche as whatever that sounds but it just it was so good and it's so not me either because that's literally the only book in the series that has no romance and (laughs) (laughs) that's so not me but it just I know that gets a lot of hate because people usually with Throne of Glass they've read it as a teenager And then they read it again as an adult and they're like, oh, it's problematic, which it is. Don't get me wrong. But it just meant so much to me to see a main character as strong as Selena go through the same crap that I was going through mentally and to pull through. And it just it it helped. It helped me so much. So, yeah. (laughs) Wow. It just got real emotional. (laughs) Yeah. I got to say, you told me to read throne of glass i i only read it in like the past year yeah year and a half and yeah i mean i finished the series within like two weeks and was crying in the last book while i was reading it all i could think is that i would recommend this to any teen girl that i knew which i don't really know any teen girls but one day (laughs) when like you know my friends have kids or something and then eventually their kids are teens i'll be like here's a good book (laughs) (laughs) i was gonna say too it i think because throne of glass first came out in 2012 and it really shows a good progression of the female character in ya um literature because you get 
a lot of the tropes in those early ways, especially in Divergent, and in some of the other ones, you get that Jane Doe, even Twilight, like Bella, yeah. it's like, oh, I'm not pretty. Oh, I'm not anything cool. Like, I suck. Oh, it's not until a boy loves me that I matter. And that was just one of the most infuriating things with me reading. And then so when I read Throne of Glass, you have this character who's just so confident and so sassy and sarcastic and just like it was a complete 180 of this typical female representation in YA. And I was just like, oh my God, where has this been my whole life? So that's like, I think that that shows a transition. But I will say, I think Hunger Games got a lot of crap for that at the beginning, but rereading that series as an adult, Katniss Everdeen is one of the most complex and well-written characters, in my opinion. Have your opinions and thoughts about her, but the way that Suzanne Collins portrayed her, um, I'm here for Katniss Everdeen. That's my girl. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I will I will second that. Yeah. Throne of Glass is a good palate cleanser from uh most YA. It's interesting that you brought that up about the female character template almost in YA because that is one of the things that I like really hit me reading the first chapter of Midnight Sun now is how much Bella is almost a non-character yeah. especially from like Edward's perspective he refers to her as like a nothing a bunch of times but it's it seems like the whole point of her is to be like a reader insert character right so like there's nothing particularly defining about her there's nothing particularly interesting about her as like a person or as a character which made me wonder like if that's why part of the reason why twilight was so explosive when it first came out is it's so easy to imagine yourself and like the role of the protagonist who catches the eye of this like gorgeous, mysterious, powerful person. Yeah, definitely. I mean, because it came up a lot when the movies came out, right? People were like blaming Kristen Stewart for being a bad actress when in reality she just nailed Bella Swan. Yes, she really <laughs> like, did. Perfectly. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know where I was going with that sentence. I have nothing to say. <laughs> <laughs> just like Bella. Just like Bella. Me and Bella were the same. Can we talk about, though, how much hate Kristen Stewart got? But, like, she's actually Ugh. phenomenal. She's very good. <laughs> yeah. love Kristen Stewart so much. Yeah. yeah. And also Robert Pattinson and, like, <laughs> the person he's turned into. I saw my friend on Twitter posted something about him the other day. And it was something that, like, he once went on a date with a fan to, like... <laughs> get her to stop following him and she was so repulsed by him that like oh my god (laughs) because he was just being like his typical weird self and she was like oh you're not edward i don't know actually don't quote me on that i (laughs) but i'm pretty sure i saw that on twitter i'm pretty sure everything on twitter is true also so that makes exactly (laughs) uh i have a million followers on twitter this is true because i said it about twitter yeah (laughs) It's so nice that we all have a million followers on Twitter. Wow, we're so <laughs> Twitter famous. Oh. oh my god. Oh my god. I like that Robert Pattinson is now doing like weird stuff. I think one of his most recent movies was filmed out near where I live now in Nova Scotia in Canada, which is fun because like who comes here? That's fun. Yeah. I don't know who goes there, especially <laughs> during pandemic. <laughs> Just me. I'm the only person here. You're the only person. <laughs> Did either of you um, watch Robert Pattinson in the new Netflix movie? I think it was The King. 
No. no. Oh my god. <laughs> he plays the the French prince or something, but oh my god, he does such a good job of it. Like it's just oh, yeah. so funny. Yeah. And like also Robert Pattinson got a lot of hate, but he's hilarious. I stand for all of the actors in that movie. Twilight was just like as a whole media experience, like books, movies, everything was just kind of a weird fever dream. Yeah. I do remember being really impressed as a teenager when the first movie came out, how faithful they were to the book. Because that, like, it's gotten better now. I guess people have realized that if they want to adapt a book to a movie, they have to actually do a good job. But Twilight <laughs> was the first movie based on a book that I remember seeing and thinking, like, that was a good, faithful adaptation. So, like, shout out to them. I was the complete opposite. Oh, really? Yeah, I thought it was awful. Oh, I really <laughs> liked it. No, I when it, I remember I was super judgmental of movies at that point. Me too. As like the book to movie adaptation. I hated it. The only one I think I liked was Eclipse. <laughs> because that's the only book I liked after Twilight New Moon. I didn't like, except I feel like if I read New Moon again, I would empathize more with what was happening in that book than I did when I first read it. I don't, yeah, see, I don't really remember what happened to... I don't think I have much patience for, uh, I don't know, the melodramatic someone dumped me thing. But even as a teenager, I wasn't into that. And as an adult, I'm less into it. Although I do relate to wanting to just sit in a chair and do nothing for like five months because it is 2020. And <laughs> a pandemic. <laughs> and yeah. I would like to just sit and stare out the window until it's over. So maybe I would relate yeah. more. Yeah, I think I was more thinking of like, like, well, yeah, when I was a teenager, I didn't really think of like the mental health things. I also kind of was just like, oh, get over it. Like, what are you doing? But I, I don't know. I'd have to read it again to see yeah. how she yeah. portrayed that depression in Bella. Because I feel like maybe I would look at it differently. But again, I would definitely have to reread it because I just don't remember. <laughs> All right. Uh, yeah, I think that's about it for today but um speaking of remembering what happened in the movies which i don't do you guys remember what's going to happen next in the book any guesses uh, i believe chapter two in both books is called open book which is hugely helpful to me personally but any any thoughts anybody i'm actually so stuck i'm like what happens after the office i know based on what happened at the end of midlight midlight mid <laughs> What the book or the podcast? <laughs> At the end of the chapter in Midnight Sun, doesn't Edward like disappear for a few days and then show up again, and his eyes are a different color? Oh, I don't remember any actual plot that that happens, but I feel like that's in there. Right, that sounds yeah. right. That and then sounds she, correct to me. And then she thinks that like he hates her or something. Oh my yeah. god, I have no idea. Well, she already thinks he hates her, so I mean, true. probably c carries into the next chapter as well. I have no idea. Is Edward a vampire yet? Is this where he tells her? I don't remember. <laughs> Do they play baseball? I think yeah. that's, I think baseball's this chapter, right? Yeah, yeah. Anyway. <laughs> they just have to, like, disparage Jessica and Eric and Mike Newton some more. Yeah, that's what we gotta do. That's what it's gonna be. Yeah. We'll find out next week, I guess. So we'll see you guys then. If you liked that episode and you want to see more from us, you can find us on social media. We're at MidlightPod. 
on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok, midlightpod.podbean.com. You can also find us very newly on Apple Podcasts, and we'll be trying to expand to a variety of other podcatcher services over the next few weeks as we gain traction. So thanks for listening. What will we do between now and the next episode? Maybe we'll take a page out of Edward's book and say goodbye to our fathers or embrace the monster inside of us? (laughs) (laughs) I kind of wanted to... I kind of wanted to end on the dedication. The dedication was really nice. So this book is dedicated to all the readers who have been such a happy part of my life for the last 15 years. When we first met, many of you were young teenagers with bright, beautiful eyes full of dreams for the future. I hope that in the years that have passed, you've all found your dreams and that the reality of them was even better than you'd hoped. Thanks for listening to Midlight Crisis. As part of this podcast, we will be discussing Twilight and Midnight Sun, which features characters from the Quileut tribe of Lapush, Washington. We will discuss this more in later episodes, but for now, if you would like to know more about the tribe, you can check out quileutnation.org and mthg.org to donate to their relocation efforts for their tribal school.